0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Nantucket Owner's Manual Podcast. I'm your host Grant Sanders and today is an auspicious day. It's our first episode of the Nantucket Owner's Manual Podcast and we're talking to Chris Sleeper from Pippin Anchor and from the Nantucket Culinary Center and Corner Table. And today we're going to talk about the impact that food has on the island and how thinking differently about food can really have beneficial results for everyone here we'll talk about nutrition we'll talk about food insecurity and we'll talk about what you can do to you know make life better for yourself and everyone else on the island by shopping local. all right let's go Okay. Well, thanks, Chris, for being on the Nantucket Owner's Manual podcast. It's the the inaugural episode. This is exciting. Yeah. I told somebody yesterday that we plan on doing 100 episodes of this podcast. So um, that, that scared them, and, oh, it, and okay. it sort of scared me.
1: I, I will commit to doing the 100th if you want. Okay, we good. We can that's, bring it back.
0: That's excellent. That's excellent. See you in two years. Because <laughs> it's going to be every other week for... Every other week for the foreseeable future, and if it becomes popular and we get um, we get enough Patreon supporters, maybe we can do it every week. Cool, you know, because it's supported by through Patreon. We have six Patreon supporters right now, and we hope to get that up to like twenty five or thirty. Yeah, but uh, so you know, give us a little background about you, you know, your story, and what's your connection to Nantucket, and then we'll just jump in.
1: All right, yeah, so um, I grew up outside Boston, but I've always had family out here, Um, MJ, Levy, Dixon, Tom Dixon, Um, and growing up, my family went down to the Cape to visit visit my grandparents, and we eventually would come over here a little bit, a week here and there, which became two weeks, which became a month, etc., but my first job was with Tom Dixon at Orange Street Video when I was 14. And that was kind of what got me started. I I started falling in love with the people, the community in general, but also I just couldn't believe I was getting paid to work out here. I I thought it was so cool, and eventually started helping out at my my comic golf course and moved from a they had they were trying a caddy program, believe it or not. Moved from a caddy to washing carts to. A starter a ranger the pro shop and eventually found myself behind the bar and the restaurant and I recognized my passion for hospitality really quickly and restaurants and food which I've, I always loved food but I didn't have the appreciation that I started to get when I was working behind the scenes of it all um, and then From there, my manager, Ali McConnell, went over to Straight Wharf restaurant and hired me eventually to help out with little things here and there. And over the course of a few years, I worked my way up to a general manager there and started doing every, every little bit over at Straight Wharf, eventually moved over to Nautilus as the general manager there and... Throughout all of this, falling in more and more in love with hospitality, taking care of people, uh, the teams that we were putting together in these in these restaurants, and uh, I wanted to sort of, as we were doing that, figure out a way to use my platform for the betterment betterment of of the community and the people around me, and I always thought of hospitality as as more than just restaurants and hotels and and sort of the draw that Nantucket has as a vacation destination. I thought of it more as taking care of your neighbor and being a hospitalitarian as, as Daniel, Danny Meyer likes to call it, who is one of my, someone I look up to, I've never actually met him, but I like to read his stuff. So he's
0: the guy who started Shake Shack. Yeah, he started
1: right? started Shake Shack. That's one of his more recent. Yeah. Uh, but he was Eleven Madison Park and Union Union Square Hospitality as a whole, many mm-hmm. restaurants in New York, but yeah. sort of the king of hospitality, really, in New York City and beyond, and a great writer as well. So uh, he inspired me to he and and working with many many different mentors and and fantastic colleagues inspired me to, to take care of my community beyond just serving a certain clientele and restaurants like Straight Wharf and Nautilus. I wanted to do more, and um, Mayumi Hattori, who I'd worked with for many years at Straight Wharf, had a very similar uh, ideology, and she wanted to do that through food and it, creating food, but also we all wanted to bring better food to our community because we know it's out there, and uh, the system as it currently stands doesn't really give people access to all of the, the amazing food that surrounds us.
0: So, you know, a lot of people have been to Pippin Anchor, but there are still people out there that, you know, haven't been on Amelia Drive and haven't stopped into the store. So for those uninitiated, um, you know, my family's there pretty much <laughs> three or four times a week. Um but for the uninitiated how do you explain or how do you describe the experience of buying your groceries there
1: yeah so i i often refer to us as a grocery store uh, just by default i would say but we're so much more than that um pip and anchor was uh the child that came out of 100 mile makers which was rita higgins uh company that eventually became a online grocery store during the pandemic. She recognized that there was little to no access to local food and sometimes any food. As you can probably remember, Stop and Shop was bleak uh, when it, and it felt super uncomfortable going there. So Rita had the idea to uh, create an online ordering system for her and her small group of friends where they would tap into farms in the Southeast coast of Massachusetts and Rhode Island through a program called Farm Fresh Rhode Island. It's a nonprofit out of Providence. So you would order on Monday. Uh, Rita would gather everything and get help from people like Mayumi uh, um, and others, and folks would pick up on Friday. So it was a zero waste system. The farmers were picking to pack to send it over to Nantucket, and it was very nutritious, sustainable, and healthy food. Uh, and this, there was sort of the seed of an idea throughout this whole process that if people were interested in local food to this level and we could grow that more and more and, and create more access, uh, there could possibly be a brick and mortar down the road, um, which is now literally down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, a lot has happened since those ideas that, that small... Group of ten to twelve people that Rita started with, who were just a group of friends interested in local food, grew to like eighty to one hundred customers, um, even after lockdown. And we were we we were working out of Born and Bread, and and they called it Freaky Friday there. I think the pickups the, the staff when when everything <laughs> started get, getting going again, and then from Born and Bread we started building this idea and found a location with Remain Nantucket. Uh, to take over Annie's spot on Amelia Drive. So now we have a market there, but also we have a kitchen, both a kitchen upstairs and downstairs. We f- uh, have a food security program where we use this local food and our connections with the farms to feed um, now over 300 people a week. Um, so there's a lot going on. It's a little food hub on Amelia Drive where we connect as many people with with local food as possible. And that, as I was speaking towards in my... Uh, sort of intro of of who I am and and wanting to take care of my community through hospitality beyond serving a certain clientele. We can do, we can serve any clientele in that space. And if you're food insecure, you can also get boxes through us too, through our Nourishing Nantucket program.
0: That's great. So yeah, let's, let's dig into food insecurity. Um, uh, The, the reason I wanted to have you on this podcast. Well, it came through open mic night at the Culinary Center, which we had last night. We're recording this on a Friday, so mm-hmm. I, the, the, the good food that we had there is still fresh in my mind. And um, just an amazing Korean pork burrito mm-hmm. that I had last night that was something else. Um, I wish we could have open mic night every <laughs> night of the week. Because I don't go to play or sing, I just go for the food.
1: We we can we can have that every day at Pip and Anchor.
0: We just won't have a microphone. Okay. (laughs) All right. Good. So um, talk about you know the the gratuities go to support food insecurity programs on the island. Talk a little bit about the problem and what what you feel the solution is. Obviously, it's not the kind of thing that can be that can be solved overnight or with one fell swoop?
1: Yeah, it's obviously a moving target and one person won't have the answer. And there's a group of us who are doing good work and and working with many food programs on island and farms on island and and off island uh, to try to solve some of these problems. But yeah, there's there's a major food security problem out here. And when people talk about the housing crisis, right there alongside it is food security because we all have a budget for the lives that we live and it has to be a big budget out here as as we both know right um so if your rent is fifteen fifteen hundred a person for a family of three or four that is an astronomical price and then how much do you have left to spend on your food so um it's estimated that one in five nantucketers year-round nantucketers is food insecure uh not many people know this but our um I think it's 48% now and close to 50% of our public high school is now on free or reduced lunch. Wow. Um, Yeah. So these kids don't, we're at the point where these kids don't know where their next meal is coming from. And even if they get a meal, a full meal, it's most, most times lacking nutrition. Um, So there's, there's little to little to no access for most of these families for, for fresh and hopefully local food that it has the highest nutritional value. Um, so we, we always kind of knew that food security was an issue out here. I think there, we didn't realize how big of an issue it was. And many people warned us at the beginning when we were looking into it that once you start to uh, you know turn over the stones, you'll see a lot more. And, and we do. But uh, we've worked with amazing teams at uh, Nantucket Resource Partnership, and process first to build a food security program called Nourishing Nantucket. Um, and we work with local farmers and the same Farm Fresh Rhode Island and, and other farms over the state, especially in times of the year like this where our local farms are, are pretty quiet, um, to build a CSA-style box uh, for 80 families every single week. And Mayumi, my business partner and uh, well-renowned chef, builds those boxes uh with nutrition in mind, um, with a family in mind and, uh, with our farms in mind. So if we have a farm like last year, the secret farm at Cisco had a plethora of potatoes. They were growing potatoes for this program and 80 pounds of Cisco potatoes were going in the boxes all winter. Wow. Um, and towards the end of the summer, Aiden at Fogtown farm had a a bunch of negi onions that he... Could confidently grow and distribute to us because we could guarantee that onions were going to these families every single week, and and these are these are the things that not only better our food system, they limit waste, but they also create a more nutritious plate of food for our growing, growing um, community out here.
0: Well, it makes uh, a lot of logical sense that there should be food insecurity in this community just because. I think I read the other day that half of homeowners are housing insecure, which means they pay more than 33% for their housing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And um, those are the lucky people, you know. And so they're on a budget. They have to pay their mortgage and they have to go to the the store and get food. Um, But all those folks that are renting, the rents are not going down. They continue to climb. So food insecurity is a huge huge deal so how how can the average person who's listening to this podcast change their behavior in a way that would help others in the, in that situation? um there are
1: little things you can do I mean supporting supporting projects like Pip and anchor, supporting farms like Fogtown, Washtenaw, Moore's End, Bartlett's, your local farms who are, who are doing things do, to, to tackle food security, food insecurity, uh, that all helps. I think that there's a reason why we don't accept gratuities at Pip and Anchor. If you wanted to give extra, you could always throw some cash in the jar at the end, and that goes towards buying these boxes. Uh, but supporting us in general and keeping our, our wheels moving means we're feeding this this econ- this uh, community. We and, and doing that, you're supporting your local economy as well. I, I think that it is really important to note that if you give 20 bucks, let's say, over the course of, of two weeks, so 40 bucks over the course of a month, you're buying a, a box of food for someone for a week for a family of three to four. Um, and you can do it on our website too. But if you just keep Pip and Anchor working and moving, and we become successful and and keep growing, we're going to be able to grow this program and feed more people. Uh, It was really interesting. And and we have to talk about housing right alongside it. Um, Someone graduated out of our program last week, because they got housing through their job. So they were like, I can now afford food. So that was an amazing moment. I I mean, it brought a tear to my eyes. she gave me a big hug. But it's also like, a moment where it's like how how are we here on this island right. where where we have all of the means and resources in the world financially yet where someone was deciding that person was deciding between paying rent and buying food so they were in our food security program now that same week two people left the food security program nourishing nantucket because they had to move because they lost housing so this is happening week to week we're we're losing valuable community members who I know what jobs these people have I know where their kids are in school and um, what basketball team their kids on and and it's such a shame to to see us losing valuable community members that that are it's our future we're not taking care of of that group but there is a certain group of people and a certain clientele out here and call this a call to action if, if you will that can solve this very quickly we have the system set up. Now we, we, we have the clients, we have a 40 person, 40 family wait list. So we could easily in the flip of a switch, turn this into a program that feeds well over 500 people. And if you do some quick back of the napkin math, that's a significant percentage of that one fifth of our population, right? That is food insecure
0: or housing insecure, if you will. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about, um, the food itself, okay? So you know, like many people, I get into that that you know robotic triangle of going from home to work to the supermarket and back again. Mm-hmm. and you know, I can buy a bag of carrots at the stop and shop and a bag of carrots at the stop and shop is, you know, they're not cheap, but they're not expensive and and they and they're carrots, right? They're the, they, they seem to be the carrots, that I grew up with. Um, What's the difference between a corporate supermarket stop and shop carrot versus a carrot that's grown here on Nantucket? Uh, It's funny you say
1: carrots, because this is always the example Rita gave in the beginning, Um, a stop and shop carrot or your big store carrot is likely from Mexico or California, Florida, uh, somewhere where it can grow fast. Uh, consistently in a uh, favorable environment and likely there is a significant amount of underpaid uh, labor going uh, behind that, the picking and distribution of that carrot. Um, the, not, not only that, those carrots are grown to ship, so they contain a lot more water than they do nutrients, and let's say a bag of carrots at Stop and Shop costs four bucks. Um, I think that's pretty accurate Mm -hmm. right now, organic. Um, and then a bag of carrots at the farm stand or at PIP costs seven or eight. Um, something around that. I think that's the going rate or, or what have you that those carrots will have. And they've been tested in the field four to four to five times the nutritional value because they're grown to eat. They're grown with all of their nutrients. Um, so. I don't see local food as expensive. I see it as valuable. And I see it as valuable beyond the nutritional value because you're literally putting something, it becomes part of you. You're putting something inside your body that uh, will have more nutrients and wasn't grown and shipped from farther away. It tastes better. Uh, But you're also, part of that $7 you pay for that bag of carrots is paying for someone to continue to live their lives on this island and pay their staff to do that too, a fair wage. So that bag of carrots at the, at the big store is, someone's probably getting paid minimum wage wherever they're from to, to pick that, if if that. Um, but hopefully the people picking the carrots here are getting 20, $25 an hour and have secure housing. Um, so that's what you're supporting. Uh, beyond your own health, beyond beyond your own longevity,
0: so it makes sense for us to sort of get out of that triangle and yeah, it's,
1: you know. it's one it's doing little things you right. Know? You buy garlic from us. it's from a farm in southeast Massachusetts. If you buy garlic at the store that's very dried up, that's from China. Um, that's been shipped on a container and not it just doesn't taste good and it doesn't have the value it's dried out. Uh, the nutritional value; it's dried out, and um there are little things you can do, and that's not a huge price difference at all. Right. But really, I I see it as this, and w- when I, I've had trouble convincing my family of this because it's a, a big a big financial commitment you make, but I looked at my dad and I was like, you can pay a little bit more now to pay a lot less later, and we we've created this cycle in the way that this country eats where we're eating a bunch of processed and uh not nutritionally dense foods to then pay more later on in medical bills and medications for for these
0: uh
1: chronic chronic diseases that we've created
0: with the food that we're eating excellent point yeah you know, the, you know it's uh it's the typical garbage in garbage out scenario right yeah. and, and um nutrition has a massive impact on health care. Oh, Not just health, definitely. but health care. And the energy for these kids. Seeing the kids rush in to,
1: to give us a hug when they're picking up their food and seeing these them grow and the energy that they have. Um, it might just be the end of the day because they got out of school and they're excited, but...
0: <laughs> no, they're happy to see you.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I really do think that I feel better when I eat well. So a growing kid who's playing a sport and sprouting up right right now it's amazing to see them have that sort of energy and and i really do see it it's it's a really special moment um and it's not not only the food's food insecure it's everybody that comes in the shop they're excited to come in and they're excited to get excited about food which is really really special and we're excited to serve it uh the, the food that we put in those boxes is the same food that we sell on the shelves is the same food that we put in your food so we're excited to showcase how to do it too.
0: That's great. Yeah. You know, um, so, Chris, thank you for being on the podcast. It's it's so good to talk about this stuff because we forget we forget the value of good food. We forget what our neighbors are going through, mm-hmm. and and there isn't a person on this island that doesn't want to see people succeed here.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know? It's and it's about the longevity of our our neighbors but also the longevity of this island uh, as a whole. I mean, environmentally, we didn't even mention that. Imagine the environmental challenges of shipping something from California rather than just driving down the street.
0: Right. Yeah. Excellent point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We could We could probably do uh, three more shows on yeah. this. So let's let's <laughs> plan on doing that. Let's, yeah. You know, I let's... told
1: you, we're, we're already going to meet up for the
0: centennial. Excellent. Excellent. So if someone wants to find you online or come to pippin anchor you know what what are the uh coordinates that you want to lay out there for them
1: uh i would take a map of nantucket put your finger right in the middle of that map and that's where pippin anchor is but we're halfway down amelia drive across from uh, the life massage and green lady right in the middle there Um, and we have plenty of parking there's street parking uh, you can also go to PippinAnchor.com. You can order online or just look over what we have. And if you see something you love, come in and we'll talk about it. We'll give you recipe ideas. We'll tell you what we do with it. Um, but yeah, 14 Amelia Drive, PippinAnchor.com.
0: If you have any questions, it's just Chris at PippinAnchor.com. I'm happy to help. And and follow them on Instagram. It's a, it's a nice feed. It's nice to see people, you know, everybody has nice skin and bright eyes and <laughs> and... and you know, it's food helps that yeah, food does really have an impact on people. I have to start eating better. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we got you. Okay, great. Thanks again. All right. Thanks, Grant. You have been listening to the Nantucket owner's manual podcast, a podcast for anyone who wants to leave the island better than they found it. Special thanks to our guests as well as our supporters on Patreon. The Nantucket Owner's Manual Podcast is a production of The Sand Studio with technical assistance from the good people at NCTV. If you like the show, please tell a friend and rate us on Spotify or the Apple Podcast app. I'm your host, Grant Sanders. See you next time.